Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Success Movie Rewind. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. This week, folks, we're going to get right into it. Uh, We've got a great movie, a fantastic film, hilarious cultural touchstone, generationally defining masterpiece. But I'm in a bit of a pickle because y'all know, uh, returning listeners, new listeners, this is a family-friendly podcast. We want this to be a podcast that you can play with your children in the car. But we also have a mission, and that is to examine the cultural waters that we are swimming in. And that includes looking at these old blockbusters or new, current, soon-to-be classic blockbusters, and not just looking at them in terms of personal development, but also, or I I suppose maybe this is like a broad meta-personal development point, I really do believe in the power and importance of cultural criticism and uh, understanding ourselves by looking at uh, the, these huge pieces of art that basically get rammed into our consciousness. And that requires us to look at sensitive subjects because great art is the stuff of life and that's all aspects of life. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm not uh, bemoaning that fact. I'm celebrating it. But the quandary that I find myself in is we've got a family-friendly podcast, but we've got to talk about sensitive subjects, and we want this to be a podcast for everybody, for as many people as possible. So we don't really give culturally specific trigger warnings. We're all about values on this podcast, but we're all about looking within and finding your own values, looking, you know, externally, but then look, you know, at the at the world around you, the people around you the culture around you, but then looking within to see how you respond to it, seeing what that says to you, learning to translate that into values-based action and living. And so we can't tell you what your, what your values should be uh, beyond very broad concepts. It's all about the application. And that includes what kind of culture you bring into your life and what kind of culture you bring into your home. And I'm grateful that you bring the culture of Success Movie Rewind into your life. And I want to honor that trust. And so I got to say, folks, the movie we're watching this week, you, if you are concerned about uh, taboo subjects, about uh, adult situations, uh, romantic depictions, I would just consult your trigger warning of, cor- of choice for, you know, your guide, your, your guidance for whatever culture you uh, belong to. Because the movie we're watching this week is American Pie. Okay. And we have to watch this movie. It's a, like I said, it's a generationally defining movie. It really changed. You can tell how much it changed the culture because before the movie came out, if you said the phrase American pie, people would start singing the song American pie by Don McLean. Probably most people still know it, you know, bye bye Miss American pie. But it, and, and it's interesting, you know, watching the credits of this movie, they did get permission from Don McLean's estate or lawyers or whoever to, to use that, those words in the title. But American Pie now means this movie. I mean, at, at least if you were a teenager or younger or not born when this movie came out, I think that's what the phrase means to you. That's what I would bet. 
because it was such a um, just a popular movie that it really did change the vocabulary. Now, again, this is a family-friendly podcast. We're not really going to talk about Stifler too much at all. Stifler is kind of a comic relief lacrosse player character in this movie. And uh, his mom is in this movie, played by Jennifer Coolidge. This is really turning into a Jennifer Coolidge podcast. Uh, she was Elle Wood's, uh, you know, nail tech in Legally Blonde. And, of course, here she plays, she's just called Stifler's Mom. And um, they invented a whole acronym for her, uh, which, of course, you know, if you identify with that acronym, I, I'm not here to shame anybody. You know, it, it's great. It can be empowering, but it's also polarizing. Some people find it offensive. So we're not going to get into all that. And that really brings me to our first success movie, Memento, this week. We're calling them Mementos now, not Maxims. We were calling them success movie Maxims. But I like Memento. It honors Christopher Nolan, probably the, the biggest uh, influence on this uh, podcast, or maybe one of them. Um, it's one of his early films. So our first success movie memento this week is also a promise to you listeners. And it's rare that we take a success movie memento directly from the dialogue of the movie. I, I like to be a little more original than that. Uh, add another layer of, uh, nuance or analysis or meaning or thought, uh, not just to be a movie recap podcast. But in this case, I'm making an exception because we're, first of all, this movie's cast is so stacked. It's an ensemble, coming-of-age high school comedy. Obviously, a group of guys are trying. They're very goal-oriented, and they want to cross, you know, the big romantic milestone, um, you know, with their girlfriends that they don't yet have uh, by prom night. You know, very goal-oriented male mentality, and they're they're obviously they're on their way to learning some lessons. Um, but the parents in the movie, you know, we've got Stifler's mom, obviously. We've also got Eugene Levy, just the king. Uh, to me, he's always going to be the guy from Best in Show. Uh, he kind of, he plays nerdy old guys. So funny, so deadpan. And this movie really knows how to put Eugene Levy to work. And the contrast between his demeanor and just some of the filthiest things in this movie come out of this man's mouth. It was hard to find a clip for him. Uh, but I wanted to do it, and I'm glad we found this one at the end of the movie. So we're going a little bit, we're not going chronologically here, strictly. But uh, they're going to prom night, right? And um, they're already seeing that things aren't exactly how they thought they were going to turn out. And Eugene Levy is, is helping Jason Biggs get ready, his son, Jason Biggs, for the prom. And at this point in the movie, you're just expecting him to say just some wild out-of-pocket stuff. Uh, and so, of course, he keeps us guessing. And uh, just the, the timing and delivery on this, I don't know, I loved it. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. But uh, let's listen to our first clip, and then I'll come back and tell you about our success movie, Memento. <clears throat> Jim, I I'm just going to say one thing before you leave tonight. I want you to be very, very careful when you're putting on the corsage. Okay, Dad. Promise me. I promise. 
I don't know. I mean, t- maybe it's something. Maybe we, you know, we should make this a YouTube show too. But something about the way he hits the promise me is just so funny to me. But anyway, that's our success movie memento number one this week. You've got to be careful with the corsage for real. And I love this this metaphor. Because it obviously it works with the movie, right? You've got the flower metaphor. You've got uh, you know uh, a blooming going on. Of course, there's the birds and the bees, and also a corsage is an interesting duality itself because it's this beautiful, delicate flower, but the pin on it can also prick you, and you know it can cause pain. And, you know, there's a, there's a delicate moment when you are pinning the corsage where you need to be careful with that flower, but you also need to be careful with, you know, the flower of a human that stands before you. Uh, and it, it's an intimate moment and it's a special one. And I, I think it really speaks to what this movie really gets at for all of the raunchy hijinks that the boys get up to and the girls, um, you know, you got to be careful with the corsage. You've got to be careful. We all have, you know, uh, the the bloom, the bloom of infinity within us. We all have, uh, you know, we're all special flowers. We're all unique. And we have to be careful with each other. We really do with the way that we relate to each other, especially when we're making ourselves vulnerable, which, uh, you know, a, a corsage on a pin is. And we also have to be careful with our own corsages. You know, you have to be careful with with where and how you bloom, it's a vulnerable state. And that's what makes high school so sensitive and uh, such an important time, one that we remember for the rest of our lives, for better or for worse. And I think it's important also because it's such an extremely emotional time that, in some, at least for me, I still find myself returning to adolescence every day when I feel a feeling that I need to understand. Because at this point, it almost always is like an echo or a rhyme or a shadow or another iteration of an extreme feeling I felt as an adolescent. You know, uh, maybe when people weren't as careful with the corsage or I wasn't. So I just think it's it's an important thing. You know, every person that you meet, there's an interaction where there's a delicacy, where you're not sure of each other. And you're not sure if someone's going to be kind to you or not. And to relate to each other at all, you have to make yourself open to that interaction, which means you're making yourself open to hurt. And it's important to remember when you're doing that and when someone's doing that in front of you. So this week, folks, and every week, be careful with the corsage as you move about in the world. Okay? Promise me. All right, let's take a break and we'll come back and talk two more success movie mementos. All right, we're back. So folks, like I said, one of the best things about American Pie is the cast is stacked. And I was, I actually, uh, you know, I'd seen this movie in bits and pieces. It's a little bit of what we call a TBS movie. But I don't know that I had actually pressed play on American Pie, you know, and watched it start to finish uh, before we got, before I got ready for this podcast. And so I didn't actually remember, but there's an actor in this movie called Chris Klein, 
who was really crushing it. An, another 1999 classic, the movie Election, uh, is my favorite movie that he's in. And he just plays like an affable jock. Like he's a nice guy. He's a sweet, sensitive soul, but he's a jock. He's on the lacrosse team. He's boys with Stifler, but he wants to be something more. You know, his corsage is still blooming and he's going to be more than a lacrosse player, it seems. But how does he get there? And uh, maybe he's more than just broing out and, uh, you know, just objectifying women for, for, you know, a status driven game with his bros. But He's still part of his context, too. He's playing by the rules on the lacrosse field. He's playing by the rules in the social milieu of high school. But his strategy, uh, and I'm going to start calling him Oz Striker. That's his, his character's name in this movie. And the, the boys call him Oz. That's important. So he's Oz Striker, but the boys call him Oz. And uh, so his strategy is he's like, the girls inquire don't know that I'm like a, a bro who's just out to score. And uh, so I can become a new me and convince one of these choir girls to be my girlfriend and date for the prom. But of course, you know, it kind of reminds me in the movie, The Other Guys, I think, with Mark Wahlberg, where he's like, me and the boys had to learn gymnastics, you know, in case we had to make fun of other kids for doing gymnastics. <laughs> you know, it's like, you just wanted to do gymnastics. That's okay. Uh, and Chris Klein, obviously, he's an artist at heart or Ostriker. He wants to sing. He wants to sing his heart out. And uh, so that brings me to our first clip. And, and then we'll, so let's listen to it. And then I'm going to come back talk about our next success movie, Memento. Then I've got another clip that still relates to it, and we'll talk about it some more. So this is at the Glee Club. You know, uh, it's a little bit of like a prototypical Glee storyline. Uh, we not only have the prom coming up, we not only have the boys, you know, trying to get their girlfriends, trying, you know, trying to secure their romantic goals. We've also got Glee Club finals. So how's it going in practice leading up to it? Let's take a listen. Your feet start tapping and you can't seem to find how you got there. Do you believe in magic? Scooby-dooby-doo-bop. Scooby-dooby-dooby-dooby-doo-bop. Yeah, magic. What was that? Sorry. No, it was good. Oh. Well, it, uh, it came from the heart. Well, keep it coming. All right, people, good work. Now, don't forget, the state competition's a couple of weeks away. I love it. I, <laughs> I rewound that like 50 times. Just the, I don't know, there's something so goofy about the singing. I love it. It's great. Uh, man, it makes me smile. But that's our, our, our success, our second success movie memento of this week, okay? You don't need a conductor to sing from your heart, all right? And in fact, it doesn't help, in my opinion. When you really got to bust it out, you know, there's a saying in when you're, when you're making music or art, uh, when you're in the drafting phase, when you're just seeing what's in your, what's in your heart, what's in your soul, what's coming up, what, what are you putting on the canvas, what are you sketching out, Whatever comes up, comes out. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I, I scrap a podcast like 20 minutes in because that's my ethos on this podcast, within reason. Uh, and, you know, that's why we have our success movie mementos to structure the format. 
But it really is important. Just you got to get in that zone where the ego is kind of turned off, not really observing. And you're just letting that that free spirit within you just say whatever it, it has to say. And a lot of times it is a song and it's hard to sing from your heart, especially if you're just learning to sing or if you're not a trained vocalist to just, I mean, it's hard. I'm, <laughs> I like want to do it, you know, just to be like, boop, doop, doop. It's, <laughs> it's like, I'm laughing because I'm a little nervous and no one's here but my dog but I know y'all are listening to me, but just to be like, da, 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 da. it's very, you know, it's a little nerve wracking if you're in your ego state, but beautiful things come out. And that's the realest, most authentic state that you can be in. And that's why I think it's so important as a creative person or an entrepreneur uh, or anybody that wants to change the world or change their lives. You know, Virginia Woolf said that uh, to write, you basically, you need a room of your own. And I, I think of that, you know, the garage is that for me where we record this podcast. But you need that safe liminal space where you can play with your identity and just just see, just try different things out. Write down, you know, get out a piece of paper and write down what what would life look like if I got everything I wanted? and then work backwards from that or something. It can be scary to see how much is possible when you start opening up to your heart. And so I think you just, you gotta lose the conductor, you know? You're not reading sheet music anymore. You're not rehearsing, you're making something new. I, uh, I saw a, a TikTok, I think the, the person was talking about the producer, The Alchemist, one of the best producers of all time. Uh, you know, obviously anybody whose name starts with Al, I have an affinity to, but he said, basically, when you're in the studio, you're either trying to make a Picasso or a stop sign. And, uh, you know, a Picasso is something new every time you're, you're just, you're trying something out. This thing is going to be unique and special. It's going to be what we are making today versus, and it's, you don't know how to do it until you start doing it. And then you have a stop sign. You know what it is. You draw an octagon and you write stop in it. That's like making a, a tailor-made template hit that sounds exactly like what the playlists sound like right now. And I don't say that to, you know, uh, be pejorative about it. That's a skill and a craft in and of itself. But to make the Picasso, you've got to reach down into the new, you've got to reach down into your heart and there is no conductor. Um, and so again, you don't need a conductor to sing from the heart. And what I love about American Pie is like all the great movies that we watch here, it will surprise you with how deep it is and how much it hits on these, these points. So y'all know, you know, if you've seen the movie, you, sometimes when this movie came out, if you just said the words American Pie, somebody would just be like this one time at band camp, because there's a girl who like goes to, she plays in the band and she constantly tells stories about band camp. And of course, they end up getting pretty nasty. Uh, and yeah, y'all know we had to clip it one time at Bandcamp clip. Y'all know it couldn't have been that one. Uh, so let's listen to this one. I just loved how much it drove home our, our second success movie, Memento. So let's take a listen and then we'll come back and talk about our third. And one time at Bandcamp, we weren't supposed to have pillow fights, but we had a pillow fight and it was so much fun. And this one time, we all lost our music, and we were supposed to play this song, but we didn't know it. So we just made it up, and we kept playing and playing, and the conductor didn't know what we were doing, and it was so funny. You see what I'm saying? You don't need a conductor to sing from the heart. That's when the conductor doesn't know what you're doing, that's when you're making something new. Make that Picasso. All right, so... 
For our third success movie memento, I'm just going to come out of the gate with it because I wanted to talk about a book that has been pretty important to me. A friend of mine introduced it to me when I was leaving my job uh, at my last law firm employer, and it really helped me put put things in perspective, and this movie really reminded me of it. So let's get back to Ostriker, right? So he's got his girlfriend from the choir. Uh, She's the, the girl from American Beauty, another 1999 classic. Maybe we'll watch that one one of these days. Um, but if you remember her and, um, you know, but it, it's, it's still a little bit touch and go. She's seen him kind of bro down with Stifler in a way she didn't like, uh, the choir competition. It turns out Ostriker, you know, scheduling isn't his thing. It's on the same day as the big lacrosse game, you know, that stinks, but that's what movies do so well. They bring these conflicts right to a head in such a dramatic fashion and so we've got Ostriker. It's uh, halftime at the game. He's missing re- regionals or whatever the, the glee competition is. And uh, of course, we've got the big speech from the coach. And um, so I, before we play the speech, I want to hit you with the success move, our final success movie memento of the week. And it's that the infinite game has no scoreboard. All right. The infinite game has no scoreboard. So let's keep that in mind. Let's listen to the coach's speech and let's see what Ostriker does with it. And all boils down to today. For you seniors, this marks the culmination of the past four years. Culmination. I want you to think about what this means to you. Do you guys want to look back on your days at East and know that you used the time you had? Hell yeah! yeah! Whoa! You do! Ah, good attitude, Ostriker. Good luck, fellas. Christ, I didn't tell you to leave the game. Sorry, coach. You got someplace more important to be, Ostriker? Yeah. Ostriker! All right, so the boy's running off to regionals in his lacrosse uniform. What a guy. My heart's swelling thinking about it. A couple things about this clip. Number one, just a little media criticism. Longtime listeners already know this, but uh, note that right at the moment of Ostriker's change, the coach, it's not, you know, this is good script writing. He's not like, Ostriker, you are going through a change. And in a Western Judeo-Christian influenced culture, that is best captured with a Jesus metaphor because you are transforming and becoming your divine self. Uh, go become, sing your heart out, run away, you know, go, go be who you're meant to be. No, but he does say Christ, you know, before he starts chastising Ostriker. So I, you know, I think that's, that's important and deliberate and it's, it's good that we can start to notice those things. But the main takeaway I wanted to talk about with our success movie Memento and the fact that the infinite game has no scoreboard comes from a book from 1986 by a guy called James P. Carse, who was, uh, he died recently, but he was a professor at New York University of, of the History and Literature of Religion. I love books by guys or women or professors uh, who are experts in the history and literature of religion because they're like wisdom 
vacuums. Like they, they have the wisdom traditions, like that's their expertise. And so even if they're knuckleheads, they can still tell you what other people, you know, thought about these very important topics. But Professor Karst really, you know, hit it out of the park with this book called Finite and Infinite Games. And that's what I'm referring to when I say that the infinite game does not have a scoreboard. So the, this distinction that Professor Karst draws is between finite games which he calls uh, or describes as instrumental activities that have a sole purpose of winning with the infinite game or infinite games, but really there's only one infinite game uh, and it's the big game. Uh, it's the, the one game whose only purpose is continuing the play of the game. Okay, and I, that's a little metaphysical, but think about it, a finite game is a instrumental activity where you have a specific goal and you are your purpose is to win to achieve that goal and importantly uh, the goal is pat either you know to be the best display of power or to achieve the most power or status uh, it involves recognized boundaries and like an audience so that they can assess and see who has been deemed a winner and who has been deemed a loser and uh, he, he uses this metaphor of uh, it's a theatrical thing. A finite game is theatrical. It's based on an established script before that audience. And so uh, that's fine. And I think uh, we all play these finite games. And a good metaphor for it is the lacrosse game. You know, it's a recognized boundary. There are specific rules. It's a goal. You are trying to get the ball into the other team's goal. And uh, you're going to win if you do that more. And that means the other team is going to lose because, you know, they gave up the goal to you. Contrast that with the infinite game where the purpose is to continue the play, remember. Uh, and how do you continue the play? Well, I think, again, if you remember the contrast with a finite game, the, the moment that you have to remember that the infinite game exists is when the finite game ceases to be like a living play. And, and Kars actually uses this metaphor to describe the infinite game. He says, unlike uh, the finite theatrical script-based games, the, the infinite game is a series of authentic interactions that plays with boundaries and changes the rules, thereby creating a living drama Okay, so not a dead theatrical script, but more, you know, I hate to say this, but I'm not really like an improv guy, but it is. It's more of an improvisational living in the moment, singing from the heart without the conductor kind of drama. And so rather than having actors uh, trying to achieve something in front of an audience, you have uh participants, human participants with integrity. And rather than assessing relative power in terms of who has it and who doesn't and who can exercise it over other people, you look to develop everybody's self-sufficient strength so that they continue to be their authentic selves in these authentic interactions. And this really does open up a portal to infinity within your own life. Because as long as you're living within your heart and singing from it and, and having these authentic interactions, recognizing that the people in front of you are not pawns in your game, they're not an audience to watch you be the main character of life, even though your ego tells you that and you have to live within that paradigm, 
you can always take a step back to the infinite game and say, you know, there's more to life than this ego game that I'm playing right now. And so that's the final thing I want to leave you with. And this is kind of, uh, I think Kars gets at this, but the, the, the addition that I would make to his point is, is I would challenge you in your day-to-day -to, -day to see the infinite game within the finite games, you know? Because if you think about it, even just this mortal life is a finite game. There's a beginning and an end, and we don't exactly know what we were before it, and we don't know what's going to happen after it. Uh, and so how do you make that into an infinite game, I was wondering? You know, like, how do you continue the play beyond this finite game of, you know, this mortal coil before we shuffle it off. And I really do think it's, you know, like William Blake said, it's to see infinity within a grain of sand. It's to take a step back while you're playing lacrosse and to recognize that this, this is just a small piece of an infinite puzzle, just as your perception is itself a small piece of that infinite puzzle. You're just a small piece of the infinite universe playing a, a piece of that infinite game. You know, it's almost like the blind man and the elephant. And it's scary and uh, it can make you contemplate, you know, what is, what am I doing beyond this? What, what am I going to leave behind? But I think that's the answer to how do you extend that infinite game beyond the finite game of just this mortal life and our day-to-day -day concerns. And it's with legacy and it, that, whether that's with your family, whether that's with your creative projects, whether that's with the work that you do to make the world a new and better and different place, that's how you extend the, the game that we're all playing and your impact on it beyond just your time in this body. You, you, you take actions that ensure that the spirit of your values will live beyond you. And however you do that, that's going to be in some way a relation to other people. And so I think that really does kind of bring home all three of our points this week. You know, everyone is a blooming flower that will bloom and wilt and become soil again so that new things can bloom and wilt. And, and continue this beautiful but terrifying and scary and infinite cycle. And so we have to be careful with the corsage. And we have to let other people bloom into who they need to be. We have to let them sing from the heart. We can't be too much of a conductor unless that's a, you know, appropriate chosen role that everybody's comfortable with. And even then, we have to remember that that's just one role. And we're just here to continue that state of play, to continue this big cycle that we're a part of and to leave an impact on it in a way that's consistent with our values. And so even when you're a conductor or even when you're in the choir listening to the conductor or your lacrosse coach or your boss or your spouse or whoever, uh, your friends, your colleagues, uh, those are just roles and you're all still people and you're all still beautiful flowers. And so remember, even when you're playing those finite games, those boundaries are porous, those roles are fluid and don't hesitate to walk off the lacrosse field. Don't hesitate to look away from that small scoreboard when you feel the infinite game calling you to something more. Don't hesitate to be like Ostriker and walk off the field. So that's really, that, that I think is a, a really good takeaway from American Pie. I think it really drives it home. Uh, Ostriker and his girlfriend end up, you know, they have a great night together. And what I love is, you know, the next day the boys are all at their meal doing their recaps. And uh, you can tell that, that he's changed because rather than yucking it up and saying, you know, let me get my points because, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Ostriker lost his view of the scoreboard. He entered the infinite game. 
but as a result, he did end up winning the finite game that the boys wanted to participate in. But instead, he, uh, he doesn't get into it. He just says, hey, we had a great night together. And, you know, uh, it's a real moment of character change. And, and that's what we're all about here. That's what we're all about on Success Movie Rewind. We've all been, you know, our version of a, a dumb bro making uh, ignorant comments on the lacrosse field. But we can all get better. And, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do it through problematic movies uh, that make it hard to podcast about 20 years later. But there's still good stuff in them, you know. The flowers will still bloom. The infinite game lives on. So go ahead and check out American Pie if you haven't seen it in a while, uh, if that's your kind of thing. If not, I'm glad you stuck with this podcast. I, I hope you got something out of it. We'll see you next week with another great episode. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.